0: To robin and joa save the world one book at a time a spoiler free podcast sponsored by the good folks at koros books that's koros with a q hello
1: everyone i'm joa
0: and i'm robin welcome to the robin and joa podcast where this week we will be talking about A Spy in the Struggle by Aya De Leon. Ooh, Joa, what'd you think?
1: This book, and I think I put it on my Instagram. So this book has a little bit of everything, right? It has um, FBI, white collar crime. It has a little bit of running social injustices. And we have what we know that sometimes happen in real world is like cover up right certain cover ups that happen but what impressed me the most about this book is the poetic language in it so when you read it when you get to certain scenes there's some uh, just the rhyming uh, of the words and the sentences in this book to describe emotion to describe action it just it it brought it all together and it and it brought the the thriller um crime vibe that it had to a different level and i thought that was that was awesome and i'm doing the the gusto um motions with my hands because it, it was like the the writing was just so good when it comes to that um, because you may expect this a spy in the struggle right to be a thriller um yes which it is to have action right and then to have you know a little bit of a, a government backstory in there which it does it has all of that But what you may not expect is that it has activism, um, environmental activism, social activism in it, and that it has the the poetic language, as I mentioned, in there as well. And those are the things that I love so much about the book. And it follows um, Yolanda, Yolanda Vance. That's her name, yeah. She is the main character in here. I have a lot of things to say about Yolanda Vance, but let me kick it to Robin
0: you have a lot of things to say i can't wait to hear what you have to say about yolanda vance now this is i think a key question did you listen to this book on audible as you usually
1: do oh yes oh yes and um one good thing about it is that the author read this book so i got to hear the author reading her own book. oh yes it okay was now so, yeah mm-hmm. it
0: was so <laughs> You know, she's a spoken word poet. Yeah. And like, obviously, in real life. What was I going to say? Like, she pretends or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's a spoken word poet. So, I can't even imagine how fabulous. Okay. Now I feel like I have a missed opportunity. Okay. So, we're going to take a journey here, friends. This is going to be a roller coaster. Brace yourselves. Are you ready? <laughs> Joa? Yes. I think this is a good book. And I DNF'd it. What? What? (laughs) Let me explain. I have so much. Let me explain. And I think you'll understand why pretty easily. So, friends, let me emphasize, this is a good book. This is not a bad book. This is not a book you should avoid. I'm going to just talk about my own little idiosyncrasies for a moment. And then we're going to talk about how some uh, audible versus reading, what do we call it? Text audible versus yes. like mm-hmm. text books. Okay. Uh, Cause I got thoughts. Okay, here we go. So we open up this wonderful book. We have Yolanda Vance. She's our main character. We see her right away. This book is written in third person past, and she's a first year associate at Vandel Myers and Whitney supposedly working for a senior partner in securities it's supposed to be a securities firm friends Mm, that's on page three then on page later on page three she calls herself a junior attorney but a junior attorney wouldn't be working for a senior partner, so that doesn't make sense. Then we're shredding documents in a small on-site shredder. Ooh, friends, no, 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 no. They'd have the big truck that would come once a week that would take care of all the shredding. Nobody has an on-site shredder. In fact, in some states, that's illegal. Uh, and... This isn't how securities fraud gets caught. Like, this isn't securities fraud. Shredding documents wouldn't matter. Securities fraud is about action and patterns and collusion. Uh, And then she uses the word secretary, and I'm like, "Mm, mm, mm. nobody had a secretary since the 70s. That's 50 years out of date. Here's the problem. Joa, do you like to read books about the United States military? Go ahead and tell me. No, no, I do not. Mm -mm. Because the inaccuracies drive you crazy, right? That is correct. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. That's what we fell into here. So this is a Robin problem. Let's be real clear about this. This is a Robin problem, not a book problem, okay? So I DNF this because mm, for somebody who is like, that's where they work. This is a lot of gibberish. It was hard to take. So that's just a Robin problem. But that's not going to be a you problem. You should read this book. And here's why. Another thing that hit me about this book was the setup is amazing. The fact that there are young people who are activists is amazing. There's some very interesting things going on in this book. But this is a book that when you read the text, there's a lot of repetition. And there's the kind of repetition that in text can be a little bit much, but it is extraordinary for Audible. And this made me think so much. I appreciate that we read this book this week because of how much I've been thinking about the experience of Audible and books on Audible. Audible is the future, friends. It's the future. Now, what do I mean? Everything Joa just said about poetic language, about rhythm, about repetition. So, when you listen to an audible book, maybe you're listening to it on your walk. Maybe you're listening to it on your drive home. Maybe you listen to it for 15 minutes and stop, 20 minutes and stop, half an hour and stop. Maybe you have a long commute. Maybe you listen to an hour and then you stop. The repetition serves so brilliantly because. It brings you back into the story, right? Mm-hmm. And there's that rhythm and that, and Joa told us that it was read by the author, which I always think most times is the best narrator for, Hey, that might be a controversial opinion. I don't know. Joa, <laughs> do you think the author is usually the best narrator for an audible book?
1: So I, I think in this, if we use this example, yes, uh, because she has her way of writing is is poetic. Um, because of the repetition in it, um, and and then which makes it rhyme in a certain way, so only she will be able to, you know, very few people will be able to know where where to pause, you know, and where to just read fluently, so that way you can create that rhythm that the author was going was going for as she was writing that text. Um, mm-hmm. So in this example, yes. However, it is a controversial opinion that you have, and I'll tell you why because. Um, from a lot of forums of, you know, indie writers, and and then just chatting with um, authors and so forth. It's it, the consensus usually is to not read your own text, because usually a writer is not um, a trained actor or actress, and that they should just uh, have somebody that is trained to do that, to read it, because then that person um kind of like how bored with Miss Reynolds do it, she acts it out right? Sometimes we don't know how to do those things, um and then it won't translate when it comes to audible. But in this example, I think she was the best fit to read this story.
0: that reminds me Stephen King, years and years ago, early in the earlier days of audible books, uh read one of his books, and uh people let's just say people didn't enjoy that <laughs> and it ended up being re-recorded. I don't even think that his recording of that book is available anymore.
1: What? I didn't know that. Do you remember what title?
0: I can't. This is a while ago. Oh, Okay. Okay. This is but a I while can, back.
1: I can see that happening, and and I think you know, like you and I discussed, right? I mean, everybody has different strengths, and you know, you're not going to be strong at everything. So
0: for sense. sure. And and sometimes I think exactly what you said is about like the training. I, I, yeah, I might know my story really well, but I'm not sure I would interpret it in audible beats, if you will, like kind of an audible syncopation or cadence that would be interesting to a reader because I would be very much in my head about it because it's my baby.
1: <laughs> yes. And, and I think that's why that opinion is out there and it's very prevalent um, because of that, because it's like, so you have to understand when you're listening, because I don't have the visual, right? So it's not like a movie where you have the visual and the audio here. I just have the audio. So it's kind of like, and I'm usually doing something else. So my brain has to do whatever it is that I'm doing as well as digest the story. And then at the same time, I'm creating a picture kind of like how I read a book, right? A textual book. I'm creating a picture kind of like a movie in my brain of that scene of what I'm seeing. So you're doing all of that while you're listening to the audible, as well as doing whatever it is. Usually I'm driving, or usually I'm on a walk, or usually I'm answering emails at uh, the beginning of my workday. And, um, and then I'm listening to this. So the, the voice has to catch me, and the voice has to maintain uh, my attention. You know, Because if it doesn't, then it's like I lose the story, and then I'll have to re-listen to that part.
0: I think this is something that we as readers are going to really have to start discussing, thinking about, and planning for because more and more people are turning to Audible to enjoy their books. Uh, we know that there are fewer and fewer sales, especially of hardcovers, but and more and more, more and more, I, I hate to say sales, but transactions or anyway, people enjoying Audible books.
1: Yes, yes. And I think it has to do I know with me, it has to do with time. um, Because to read a book, you just reading a book. Um, But like I said, for me, when I'm listening to a book, then I can I can do other things, I can still drive to work, I can still do my walk, um, and and things like that. Um, But when I'm reading a book, I have to be sitting down somewhere, you know, quiet, not doing anything else, but reading my book which is something that i enjoy and it's very peaceful for me and it's like my escape um entertainment that i have that i love uh, but it's just the time you know when i'm crunch on time i turn into an audible now i have a lot of books the books that i love a lot i have in both texts and i have an audible as well and i go back and forth depending on how my time is between them and i've read a book like that actually did i tell you about that i i, I no. started it Yeah, I started at reading it, then work got a little hectic. So I was like, I was so into the book. I was like, I needed to finish it, but I didn't have the time to sit down and read it. So I purchased the Audible version of it. And then that's how I finished the book.
0: I kind of love that. It's interesting for me because see, you're a big user of Audible, right? But I am not a big consumer of Audible books. Generally, I only listen to Audible books when I'm exercising. So that tells you I should probably do more exercising. (laughs) But, uh, because I don't do any driving these days because uh, I'm a little fragile flower, so I'm still in my house. So anyway, trying to stay healthy. Uh, But it's interesting. And I think going forward, after I finish writing a good manuscript as a writer, I am going to probably read it out loud to myself and record it in chunks, maybe in chapters, to make sure that it, it has some rhythm, some, that it will sound yeah. good as an audible book.
1: Yes, yes. That's something too, that we talked about with discussing audibles and in, in this clubhouse, um, in the author chat. And, and that is that, that, that pays dividends right there to read your book out loud, to make sure that it can also be translated into, you know, into audible, because like you said, and you're very right. And this is the prevalent opinion out there is that audible. You know or audiobooks i should say is is the future is is where we headed right now and then we see it on the sales we see it on on the prevalence of, of this media out there with readers
0: and it makes perfect sense because we've always turned to story in form of oral history right the telling of stories reading is great don't misunderstand i'm a big reader i enjoy reading text but it does have its limitations as you said and there's something soothing and wonderful about listening to a book about having a story told to you just the way it perhaps as when you were a child or when you heard your family history and this book back to the spy a spy in the struggle by ayadelo is is kind of it struck me as kind of an oral history in the very best way, by the way, I mean that in the very best way. This is a book friends, I would recommend you get as an audiobook and listen to I would recommend it.
1: Oh, yeah, especially since the author, it was the author that that read this book, you know, that's, that's her voice, that's her recording. And, um, and, and, and she tells it fluently it's just it's amazing so there's a few passages in there when she's describing going through the street because she's going back to this inner city neighborhood right that's where her assignment is for the FBI um to try to catch you know the the bad guys which you know ends up not being the bad guys and um and then she describes how this this young kid is rapping beside her and then it was it's amazing to hear her do this rap and, and, and then with this beat, you know, and it's just, it's just a few lines, you know, she's not rapping for a long time. It's just a few lines, but she, she says it. And then as soon as I heard her rhyme and how fluent she was, I went ahead and googled her. I did a little Robin here and Googled her. And sure enough, <laughs> I found out, I found out that she's a spoken word, um, poet, you know, artist. That's, that's how she started. And then it all made sense, you know, the repetitions in the book, the melodic, um, just rhyming to her sentences and and the paragraphs too, and and that's that's where I lean towards. So I don't I don't have the same problem of where I I know a lot about you know corporate and all this other stuff. So that didn't bother me. I gloss over a lot of things if I don't understand it, and I just kind of like tether myself to the story. However, you're right, if it's military, because I'm I'm involved in that world, it's just, I can't read it because it's just, it's not accurate. So I completely yeah. agree with you, Robin, when it comes to that. But with everything else, I just kind of gloss over it and then just focus on the story and, and the relationships. And then just, I think the main core of this book is that they are tying it to how, I don't know if you remember the FBI back in the day, they did some illegal snooping and um, do you remember Are that? Remember? I think it was in the news or something. Oh yes. Yeah. And um. And then they're they're trying to they're they're tethering the fiction into that reality of how they they did illegal recordings of um black community leaders and 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 black groups uh, just to to make them out to be the bad guy uh, when they really weren't the bad guys. They were they were activists. They were trying to fight you know for the right to be human beings just like the rest of the world. And, um, and that's what this book is getting after. And the character doesn't know and doesn't, um, doesn't really see it that way until towards you know the, the middle and then the ending of the book. And then it's a, it's a cute romance as well interlaced into the story, which was really nice.
0: Love that. So I went and read the reviews for this and it's very interesting. There were a lot of people who listened to it on audiobook. And you made a good distinction, Joa. I should say audiobook because Audible is obviously a brand name and just one source of audiobooks. Um, a lot of people who read it who listened to it on an audiobook gave it five stars. I think it's a really high-quality experience. This, I learned a lot here. It's very interesting. I've never learned this much from DNFing a book before.
1: <laughs> I think that's fascinating. That is so nice look so i i dnf the book um when was it i think i when um they use uh rape in there as a sort of romance and oh. um, yeah and that that's like uh, uh that's yeah non-negotiable for me i'm like no i'm not i'm not reading this book i'm not reviewing it no 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 we're good so absolutely yeah, so we all have our, our limits right when it comes to reading and, and what we dnf and and things of that nature but yeah that was my dnf I'm starting.
0: I would have DNF that too, friends. We've been throwing around this term DNF did not finish is what it stands for. Sometimes we use that on the Instagram when we're talking about the books. So I did not finish this book. And sometimes you don't finish a book. It's just not your thing. And that's okay.
1: Yep. And that's, that's what's so great about entertainment and media, right? Just like movies and, and TV shows and books. everyone has their, their own flavor, their own, you know, what they like and what they don't like. And and that's a good thing that you brought up as well, because when it comes to reviews, you gotta, you gotta look at it that way. I, I think, where did I read it? I think it was on Instagram because that's usually where I hang out the most is that, um, somebody put a post in there that said the reviews tell you more about the reader than it does the book. And that just made complete sense to me because, it's like most of the time, right? That is that is what's happening, right? A reader is telling you what they liked and did not like about it. But does that mean that the next reader will have the, the same experience? No, because we're all different, right? Um, so that is a great thing to think about reviews because I know a lot of authors sometimes, right? We get caught up on reviews and and we get really depressed over them sometimes. But I think if we look at it that way, um, use that perception on it, then um, we may feel a little bit better about ourselves
0: when it comes to reviews. Here's how I learned about reviews. I wrote a book about it's kind of a guide, a nonfiction guide about moving to Ireland. And I wrote about what we did wrong because we moved in a hurry and we didn't have any assistance, so or guidance. So we moved in a hurry. We made a lot of mistakes. Uh, it was sort of like. Uh, What are they called? Keystone Cops? (laughs) Kind of like just a mess, basically. And I wrote a book about that, about our mistakes and all the things we did wrong. And it includes a few explanations of like schooling differences and things like that. Things you have to do when you first move to Ireland and things that are different. Uh, It explains some things about that. And I got many lovely reviews that were wonderful. And one, One star review that said my book was patronizing. And this person was so incensed with me. (laughs) And tons of other lovely, lovely reviews with very kind comments. This person went and created a Goodreads account and thought I wouldn't notice. But what's funny about their Goodreads account is it only has like The Thunderbirds, which is a book from like the seventies, and it has some other. It has like two books from the seventies, and those are the only books on it. And my book with the one star review, (laughs) but it doesn't matter. Reviews are for readers, and reviews exactly what you said, Joa, say more about the reader than about anything else. Mm -hmm. And in the end, they don't matter. In a certain sense, they don't matter.
1: No, no, uh, it's just, it's just telling readers what another reader thought of the book and um, that that's, that's where they geared at. Um, so, so yeah, so I think if we just get out of our feelings a little bit when it comes to reviews, then we can look at them a little bit more objectively, but yeah, I mean, come on now that one star review, but that's how important you was uh, for this reader, Robin, they made a whole account just for you. <laughs> that's right (laughs) it was like you know what them typing i'm gonna dang it (laughs) that's how that's how i see it like kermit the frog typing like i I love that (laughs) i love that so much (laughs) keyboard gangsters (laughs) i hit a nerve
0: apparently with someone
1: (laughs) yeah apparently it's okay that means you made it robin that that's all that means you made it
0: But you know what? I think as writers, I I wish someone would tell us early, early on as writers that we are going to offend someone. We're going to say something that someone either strongly dislikes or doesn't agree with or doesn't think we should be saying. That will happen just because we're putting things out there. Anytime you put some art out there, there will be a variety of opinions. And I think there's a lot, you know, if you go to art school for like painting, for example, they really talk about that a lot the idea of critique versus criticism, the idea of giving helpful knowledge so that some passing along helpful information so that an art student can improve their art versus criticism and then how to handle criticism in your career. But in writing, I don't think I've ever seen that handled in a craft book. Oh, please tell me you have Joa. Tell me you've seen that handled in a craft book. Well,
1: no, and I, I was thinking about the MFA program that I took and that's not discussed there. I wish, I wish there was a, a class that say, you know, that, that deal with publishing and the business aspect of it, where we can introduce the the reviews you know, and how, and how sometimes, like you said, you know, because you are putting yourself out there, um, in, in your stories publicly. So I would like for somebody to have told me that. So that way, like you said, it's not a, a big shock, but no, and I have a lot of craft books and I, I haven't seen anything like that, that discussed that, that is focused on just that,
0: so joa now that we're robin and joa publishing in addition to the robin and joa podcast mm-hmm. our first book will be a nonfiction craft guide discussing <laughs> oh we can reprint our best and our
1: worst reviews from our fiction work the one star <laughs> una estrella Because I'm going to translate it to Spanish. Una estrella para mi y una Una. estrella para ti. (laughs) Una estrella. Written by Joani Ortega y Robin Chaco. (laughs) Oh,
0: I love that so much. Una estrella. Why not?
1: (laughs) We got to make that into a shirt. Una estrella.
0: (laughs) Please. That is the merch I need today. I would wear that every day. I'm telling you. (laughs) Oh, my God, I love that. See, I think if we talked about that more, if we laughed about it more, if we literally wrote a craft book about it, literally, we need to, we need to spread that to our, our brothers and sisters in the trenches writing with us, because we do bear our souls friends, if you're a reader, I'm sure most people listening, may be readers and writers, and that's great. But if you're a reader and not a writer, writers really are giving you little bits of themselves in every book they write and i mean that very literally and it's okay if you don't like all our work in fact you probably won't like every single thing we write and that's okay
1: but be kind (laughs) (laughs) treat others as you would like to be treated you know i always go back and don't we learn that in preschool some sometime no yeah, is that still being taught?
0: I think you said something very, very smart right there. You said, "Don't we learn that?" I think we hear that. I'm not sure we
1: learn that. Ah, words matter. Yeah, there is a distinction, and I think we learn that by watching our adults, our grown-ups, do something similar. Because if I remember from my child development days, is that um young children from a certain age until they hit pre-puberty. They are learning mostly from what they see their parents do, not what they see their parents say.
0: Oh, those were the days, Joa. How I miss those days.
1: <laughs> hey, I read all the books when I got pregnant with my son. And that's, that's how I learned things by reading. And I, yeah, I still have some of those child development uh, books. <sighs>
0: It's tough. The kids go through some tough phases, man. That's all I'm going to say about that. They do. They do. That
1: pre-puberty phase was, oh my God. Yes. Post-puberty.
0: Pre, yeah. uh,
1: <laughs> 20s, 30s. Oh Where did my sweet baby go? What happened? <laughs> what happened? I have video to prove
0: that existed at one time.
1: <laughs> I put his smiling face on the shirt. That's how bad it was, just to remind myself that, you know, he did used to smile back in the day.
0: Oh my god, that's a brilliant
1: idea. <laughs> yep, I was like, "You see? You see this? This used to be you until you got old." You, all- used- yeah. <laughs> you used to know
0: how to do this.
1: <laughs> and show all your teeth in pictures. Now I barely see one.
0: Oh my god. You are Yes. It's like, you know, my life. Yes. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. But reviews, friends. I don't know. I always feel like writers maybe shouldn't read the reviews, which I don't know. I mean, if there's kind of a theme, I like to think that maybe we could get some value from a review, but so often the reviews aren't written, you know, reviews are written by readers. They're not written by writers. So there's not like, people aren't writing a review saying the narrative voice lacks. (laughs) No, no, they're not.
1: (laughs) I think so for writers, what's important for us, maybe the beta readers or the arc readers may be able to tell you something informative about um, your work right and then the story and your writing and then you can use that to help yourself either in that book or in the next book that you're writing um, because that will be more geared towards your work as opposed to a review is geared more towards that reader's taste and how their taste uh, reconcile with what you wrote so you're, you're not really gaining much when it comes to making your writing better I would say from a review, maybe I don't know, maybe I, I'll get some hate mail over this. Um, but you I won't. think, <laughs> but I think from from a beta reader or an arc reader, you know, an editor, you you will, you will, because they're focusing on on the craft aspect of of your story, and then that you can fix. But you cannot please everyone with your work, so you cannot fix uh, one star.
0: <laughs> Una estrella. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And you know, it goes back to that old adage, be careful who you take advice from. Don't take advice from anyone you don't want to be that kind of thing. And yeah, beta readers, arc readers, critique partners, that's who you need to get your writing advice from. You're exactly right. And again, reviews are just for readers and just let those go. Don't look at them. Block it. If you can (laughs) block the website, don't read your reviews. (laughs)
1: Una estrella no mas
0: una estrella no mas <laughs> <laughs> I need a shirt in orange with a bright gold
1: <laughs> single star in the middle. Oh my god, you know what in El Paso we have uh we have una estrella. On, on our mountains, you know, because we have the Franklin, Franklin Mountains over here in El Paso. I'm going to take a picture of it, Robin, and I'm going to send it to you, and then that will be, yeah, that will be our little secret until we publish this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to see it. Una estrella. Maybe that should be the title
0: of this episode, a one-star hey, episode.
1: <laughs> yes, the one-star episode.
0: <laughs> well, Joa, well, this has been a wonderful episode and a wonderful discussion of very many things.
1: (laughs) Yes. But hey, um, I just like Robin, I'm going to say this. A Spy in the Struggle by Aya de Leon. Go ahead and and listen to it uh, because she is a spoken word artist. So you will digest this story better if you listen to her voice, if you listen to her telling it to you. It, you will not go wrong if you get this this audiobook. Please get it, listen to her and then um go see her other works as well. But yeah, it's poetic, it's 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 rhythmic. It and and it has a great message into it as well. I recommend it.
0: Okay, now maybe I need to go get it on Audible. Oh, audiobook and listen to it. Okay. <laughs> All right, thank you Joa. You sold me. Well, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> And we'll be here again next week, friends. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Robin and Joel podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.